Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is great to see everyone here tonight. I'll give you just a minute to get settled in while everyone's coming in. Why don't you just look at somebody nearby, give them a big smile, let them know you're happy to see them tonight. I need to see a few more smiles than that. Amen. All right. Great to see everybody again. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we're so glad that you've chosen to make uh, this service a part of your evening, and we pray that it will be a blessing to you. Uh, I do want to start tonight by just reminding you a couple of, of a couple of things. Gentlemen, we will have men's prayer at 9 o'clock Saturday morning right over in the A Center. Please put that on your calendar and make a note uh, and come out and help us pray. We'll have a little fellowship as well. Amen. Our young fellows, you are also welcome to come and pray. And uh, we're just going to, uh, to look forward to what God will do in that time together. And then I think at this point, most all of the students are out of school for the summer. I think if not by today, certainly by Friday from what I understand and hear. And that can only mean one thing. That means that youth camp is just around the corner. Amen. Amen. I know my kids are counting down, my students, my young adults are counting down the days for youth camp, literally to the day. So if you have not yet registered, uh, students, parents, grandparents, uh, if for some reason your, your student is not yet registered, you need to make your way over to the Louisiana District United Pentecostal Church website and get that taken care of immediately. Um, so that your kids will have an opportunity to participate in youth camp. Amen. Amen. I am going to ask you to stand with me this evening before pastor comes to the pulpit to teach Bible study. We want to start the service with prayer, with praise. And as we're praying tonight, I do want to bring a few needs to you that we would like to pray for in our service tonight. I uh, had a special request tonight. To pray for Brother James Tomlinson, who is experiencing some health issues, and ask the church to pray. Also, Sister Sheila Landry needs our prayers tonight. And then finally, um, uh, Ted and Emily Stevens. I'm going to ask you to remember this family in prayer. Ted and Emily lost their newborn son, Graham, today. And as you can imagine, they're devastated. Uh, a, a lot of grief there. And we want to pray that God would just wrap them up in his arms. And let them feel his presence through this very, very difficult time. Uh, so if you would help me pray to that end uh, this evening before we continue with the service, I know that God is listening and that it would mean a lot to these individuals. Let's do that together tonight. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We thank you for the opportunity to pray. And we thank, thank you for the opportunity to feel your presence. Lord, you are a good God. Our faith is in you. Our trust is in you. And we know that uh, you are able to do all things and do all things well. We invite your presence into this place tonight. God, I pray, Lord, in the service, the, the, here in the sanctuary, the kids' service, Lord, all over the campus, that your anointing would flow. You'd anoint our leaders, anoint our speakers, every student of the word, those on live stream. Lord, anoint our hearts, challenge our thinking by the word of God. And I pray for these needs tonight. I pray for Sister Sheila pray for Brother James. I pray for Ted and Emily Stevens and their family in Jesus' name. You know these needs. You know these situations. pray you'd breathe life, Lord. I pray you would breathe mercy, that you would do what only you can do. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Clap your hands to the Lord before you're seated. Shout unto the Lord with praise. We thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. You may be seated. Pastor's coming to teach Bible study. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Dave. Great to see you tonight. And uh, again, as always, thank you for showing up tonight for Bible study. And uh, we've come prepared to uh, give you some things tonight that we trust will be a blessing. And it will also be uh, maybe just a, a little bit challenging as well. Thank the Lord. Uh, truly great to see you tonight. And um, I heard a, a terrible story the other day. And I, before I get into Bible study, I want to share it with you and see if you've heard it. I heard about a family that had a little baby that was just so ugly. A little baby was just terribly ugly. That um, they was driving down the street one day and the, the baby fell out of the car. In a terrible situation, the baby fell out of the car and they got pulled over by a policeman for littering. Uh, just don't know if you. <laughs> uh, pray for that family. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Good to see you. And uh, uh, thank you so much, so very much uh, for being here tonight. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. I want to jump right into our presentation tonight. And uh, before I do, uh, do you remember last Sunday mentioned something about y'all need to start paying attention to the screens and all that? I had several people that asked me what's up with that. And you know what I said? Nothing. Uh, just have to wait and see. And somebody said, well, I have this particular leadership role at church, and you know what I do. And surely that gives me a little clout and influence. Nope, I'm going to have to wait like everybody else. So, but I will tell you this much. Um, we, are, we do have a wonderful, wonderful presentation planned for this coming Wednesday night, a week from tonight, and uh, one that you don't want to miss. And uh, so if you miss... And then come back later and say, well, I didn't know. Then you'll be telling a story. <clears throat> and uh, so you don't want to miss. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful presentation. It might have something to do with, um, well, let's just wait till next Wednesday night and, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. So uh, anyway, so with that being said, let's go to uh, our Bible study tonight. And this will have everything to do with uh, what we will be presenting this coming Wednesday night, a week from tonight. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm taking this presentation tonight and I'm going to cut it in half. I'm going to do half of it tonight and then a week from this coming Wednesday night, Lord willing, uh, we'll do the other part of it. I don't want everybody to get so engrossed in summertime being here and uh, youth camp and all that kind of stuff that we forget about God's purpose here. I uh, don't want anybody to do that. Uh, I want to talk to you a little while tonight about shaped for serving God. Shaped for serving God. We're, we're studying tonight the principle of ministry. And uh, I want us to be very clear at the outset that you and I are privileged to be called by God to serve in his kingdom. It is truly a privilege. Uh, there's a sign in the production booth and there's a couple of signs in the back hallway reminding 
the folks that pass by, particularly on Sunday morning, singers, musicians, the people that work in the production booth, that it is, it's a privilege to serve God, uh, a privilege to be called. And uh, it truly is. And if you think of it, the privilege that's been extended to us to be a part of his inner circle, um, if you want to look at it that way, we are his ambassadors, we are his representatives. It's a privilege to be in such a place in our relationship with God and that he allows that. I want us to consider what there is to learn about the joys of serving God, the joys of service. Um, let me tell you about a young lady that we'll just call Susie. Uh, when there's a wedding here at the church or anywhere else for that matter, Susie is that person you very rarely see. And if you do see Susie, you really don't make the connection. You, you really don't understand uh, why she's there and, and what have you. The central figure, of course, at a wedding is the groom. I mean the bride. And uh, the bride is, I know at my wedding, I was the, the central. I, I couldn't help it. I mean, everybody just stared at me. I uh, kept telling everybody to look at Sister Murphy, but I, I just we fought that off the best we could. I can't see anybody tonight. I can't see what y'all are doing. Is everybody good here tonight? <clears throat> uh, but, of course, the, the bride is the central figure. We know that. Uh, the maid of honor is present. She's dressed beautifully. The mother of the bride is elegant, elegantly dressed and, and treated with honor. The, the grandmothers walk in, escorted by tuxedoed gentlemen, and are uh, just exalted above everyone else. There's accolades of the groom and his entourage of friends, the minister, the flower girl, the, the little boy that totes the Bible down the aisle. They're all noticed. They're all photographed over and over and over again. But who in the world is Susie? Well, this very talented, and there's people here tonight that have done this, this very talented but very behind-the-scenes lady is the wedding coordinator. She makes the entire day happen. She makes one of the most special, glorious, proud days of a new couple's life have a touch of elegance. That's what she does. Most of us who attend such gala events probably have never, maybe we've never even seen the person, depending on how well you know the family that's getting married. Maybe you've never even seen this person. I've been to weddings and had no clue who the wedding coordinator was. But even if you do, you probably don't learn her name unless you really scour the printed program. But behind the curtain of anonymity, where there are no headlines, no fanfare, no glory, and very little financial reward, is a, a dedicated person who says to the bride and groom, I will help you here. I, I, I will plan your wedding. I will make your wedding come to pass. I will serve you by making sure everything is ready and that everything is well rehearsed. So being especially at a Christian wedding reminds all of us of a powerful truth in God's family. For every bride who looks so breathtakingly beautiful in her wedding dress, there's a really good friend somewhere 
who probably rents a room at Motel 6 the night before and helps do the bride's hair and all of that, all of that fanfare that goes on all day long. You all know that. For every musician who stands up in front and sings the Lord's Prayer and receives accolades from the congregation, and there's a production crew who sits in the production booth in the back and runs all the soundtracks and microphones and and all of that. And for every minister who gets lots of handshakes and compliments for the wedding sermon, there are quiet, unseen people, even in his life, whose gentle influence and wise thoughts fed his soul and gave him something spiritual to say at that wedding. I could even share some things that I know. I know where the bride had a close friend who was her ally and confidant during some of her hard, lonely years. On the wedding day, the bride emerges as a queen. The bride has all the pictures taken of her. The bride wears the white dress. Her unnoticed best friend stands in the very back next to the guest book as people come in and sign their names. Obviously, wedding days are a wonderful and special time for the preacher. Also, for many fortunate others, doing a wedding ceremony is one of my happiest assignments. I love preparing. I love rehearsing, sometimes with a hanky in my hand, and I love sharing it with those I love. All of this is service. Everybody say service. But most, if not all, it's volunteer. It's not service forced. It's service volunteered. But I want to tell you this tonight. On the days when it's a joy, and also on days when it's a hard, gritty, unproductive, lonely, boring assignment, all of us here tonight were shaped for serving. We were all shaped for serving God. We were put here to preach and also to help others in every way we can. We were put here to feed the hungry and also do the dishes later. Unless you are serving God in some capacity in relationship to the church and to others, you're never going to be fully satisfied in your relationship with God or in your relationship with your church. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. We didn't make us. We didn't create the person we are today. God let that happen. God allowed that to happen. And oftentimes God made it happen. <clears throat> One translation says, No, we neither make our make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. Notice this tonight. Rick Warren said, you were made, you were made, all of us were made to make a contribution, not to just consume. God made you to make a difference. And what matters is not how long you live, but how you live. What matters is not the duration of your life, 
but the donation of your life. We're created to serve. We're saved to serve. We're gifted to serve. We're shaped to serve. We're commanded to serve. Here's a helpful acronym called SHAPE. S-H-A-P-E. It's based on Job 10.8, which says, Your hands shaped me and made me. So here are the five key ingredients God uses to equip us for service. S stands for our spiritual gifts. H is for our heart. A is for our natural abilities. P is our personality. And E is the aggregate experiences of our lives. Listen carefully. Everybody listen. If the, the Bible teaches... That if we have experienced good fortune, if we have lovely, comfortable homes, if we enjoy an abundant income, if we are blessed with natural gifts and abilities, then there is a service reason why God gave us those gifts. There's a service reason. It's a service-based reason. It means that you have something. If you have all of these things that I just mentioned, then you have something on the inside of you that you can bring to the kingdom in some way, shape, or form. You are gifted in some way to serve God in his kingdom. Very compelling verse that Jesus said in Luke 20, 48, or excuse me, 12, 48. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Peter writes in his first epistle that each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others. Some have observed that theologically speaking, God could very easily take Christians to heaven the minute we join God's family. Repent, baptize in Jesus' name, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and die, go to heaven. God could do it that way. He could ordain it that way. I don't think the church would be very big. Matter of fact, I'm not sure there'd be a church at all. And if you attended that church, <laughs> probably wouldn't be worth attending. So why doesn't God do that? On some levels, it would be amazing to be born again and boom, you die and you go straight to heaven. But why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't heaven begin immediately? Why are we still here? Why are we still here? I think that's a good question to ask as far as the church goes and what have you. Why are we still here? Because God put us here to serve and he leaves us here to serve. The Apostle Paul once admitted really, if I were to die right now and immediately see the face of Jesus in terms of my conscious spirit, that would be better, better by far. Why do I choose to stay here then? It's for you guys to serve you, you people, to serve my spiritual family, to be a blessing to others. So let's take note of this as our purpose, to serve God by serving others. I want to say here tonight in passing that it's, sometimes it's a little easier to serve God when you have a crutch, um, when you have something to lean on, when you have something between you and the people. For example, everybody up here that's on the praise team that 
plays an instrument. They have something they're serving, but they have an object between them and the people. Our singers have an object between them and the, and the congregation. It's called a microphone. The pastor has an, ob, uh, an object between him and the people. It's called a pulpit. But when you take all that away, our production people, they sit in the back. You, you don't hardly even see them during a church service, obviously. But even between them and the church, there's this huge wall and, and all kind of equipment and electronic stuff and, and what have you. But if, if, if all of that was stripped away from us, if we didn't have that name tag in the lobby as a greeter or as an usher, if we didn't have that name tag on, if you take the name tag off, if, if you took away the title of Sunday school teacher and, and uh, all the other amazing things that goes on here at Grace Church that people do, if you take that away, could you still serve people in some capacity? Would you be willing to be stripped of titles and positions and say, I'll still serve God? I want to say again, this is our purpose. We serve God by serving others. That's the way Brother Dave Bunch would say that. He would say, Let's take note of this as our purpose. We serve God by serving others. Is that pretty good? We call this kind of ministry service ministry. Every single person here is a minister, not just me. And we copy Jesus when we live lives of service he said explicitly, Jesus said explicitly in Matthew 28, 20 verse 28, even as the Son of Man came to be ministered unto, excuse me, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And he gave his life a ransom for many. One translation said, your attitude must be like my own. For I did not come to be served, but to serve. Let's go back uh, to the New Testament, to the ministry of Christ for, for a moment. Uh, at the Last Supper. <clears throat> Y'all remember that? Reading that in the Bible, the Last Supper. We, we, we seem to have this perspective to always envision Jesus putting on a towel and getting down on his knees, the king of the universe down on his knees, washing the dirty feet of 12 ragtag disciples and we tend to think well Jesus was doing a bit of play acting there he's the Lord he's he's a king but he unselfishly showed us the model of service he stepped out of his true self in order to give to us a tutorial on how to serve and we all know that we really don't think that's true at all about Jesus. When he was washing feet, his washing feet is a teaching lesson for us. But when Jesus washed feet, that's when he was actually being his truest self. when he was being his truest self because Jesus was a servant. He didn't pretend to be a servant. 
he didn't shed his executive lifestyle for 15 missionary minutes to theatrically show us a new paradigm. Washing feet and helping kids and staying up healing centers until 1130 at night was what he came here to do. It's what he loved to do. That's why he came. I'm going to keep going for a few minutes. This is where I was going to stop, but I feel like we need to keep going. I love to look at the life of Jesus in order to learn the principles of service. So I want to say tonight, first of all, that serving like Jesus means being available. You can't serve like Jesus when your pat response, when you're asked to serve, is that I don't have time. I'm not available. That's, that's not being like Jesus. That's not a Christ-like attribute saying I don't have the time. Matthew 20 has a story where two blind men were shouting from the sidelines, Jesus, help us have mercy. Can you come and give us a break here? And the Bible says that Jesus stopped. He was moving down the street with a crowd. He interrupted his schedule. He allowed those two blind men to interrupt his schedule. He didn't tell them, look, I'm coming back through here in two weeks. He didn't tell them, he didn't turn around to Judas, his secretary, and say, look, can you book them for an appointment? Pretty tied up for the next month. Um, Let's shoot for the middle of next month. How about that? He didn't do that. He stopped, the Bible said. He stopped what he was doing for two blind men that were also beggars. Society didn't deem them worthy of interrupting anybody's schedule, much less Jesus' schedule. Society says, who do you think you are? Do you think you're worthy to stop this amazing miracle worker? Somebody said one time that if you really want to be in service, then we need to be willing sometimes to stop our regular schedule to be interrupted. There's a lot of people, a lot of people like to follow the steps of Jesus. A lot of people do, but why don't we study the stops of Jesus? We want to walk in the steps, but we don't really want to study the stops. Most of Jesus' healings, if you'll study his miracle ministry, most of, most of, the, of, of Jesus' healings, the times he blessed others was because he was interrupted. He didn't go specifically to, to cleanse the leper. He was interrupted. He was called out. Jesus, come help me. And Jesus said, okay, I'm coming. People saying, Jesus, please. I know you're turning right up here, but please turn left instead. Would you come to my house? Would you come help me? In fact, there was one man, a Roman centurion, that understood power and authority knew he was interrupting Jesus. He knew he was cutting into the schedule of the ruler of the universe. And he said, no, 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 I'm not worthy. You, you, don't, you don't, don't let me interrupt. Don't take any time out of your schedule to come to my house. If you'll just speak the word, that's all I need. Let's remember every time we're tempted to hoard 
our time. Every time we're tempted to cocoon ourselves, every time we're tempted to hit the garage door remote twice in eight seconds, open, drive in, close it, and then be in the house real quick in our, to be in our fortress before needy, hurting people can in, uh, invade us, let's remember four things. First of all, the example of Jesus. Jesus only had three and a half years total to do his entire ministry to establish a church. Jesus was busy. And he came here with a strong agenda. Yes, he did. As I preached Sunday, he could have been crucified at 50 or 75, and then he had a whole, whole lot more time to do all the things that he was doing. But he, 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 that wasn't his plan. He knew he only had three and a half years to do everything that he was going to do. He only had three and a half years to do it. And, and yet he was always stopping. <laughs> Look at my own schedule sometimes and, and, and in light of this, wonder how did he do it. He, Jesus would stop what he was doing to go to a wedding for crying out loud. Sometimes not even invited. Sometimes he would hit the brakes to go to a party somewhere. He did. Read the Bible. Uh, of course, all the funerals he attended, he turned into a party. But Jesus was willing to be interrupted. He was willing to have his schedule, his plans for the day, his plans for the week. He was willing to be interrupted. Secondly, let's remember that you and I, we are among the world's most fortunate people. We are. If anybody has an obligation to help others, we do. We have an obligation to do that. Uh, thirdly, if we say, I don't have time, I'm busy, I've got a lot going, let's be thankful that being apostolics takes away that excuse for at least several hours each week if we're willing to make it a priority. We are going to be moving and posturing Grace Church in a direction here in the next few weeks and in a month or so. I'm not going to let much of the cat out of the bag. I'm going to let just one little claw on the front foot out of the bag. If he's been declawed, it's just going to be a little soft, fuzzy, little hairy paw on his foot out of the bag. Y'all with me? But there's going to be some that are going to volunteer. You will. I, I know Grace Church is going to volunteer and say, I'll do it. I'll do that. But it's going to include being interrupted sometimes. It's going to include kind of going out of your way. But I want all of us to remember that we're among the world's most fortunate people. And if anybody has an obligation to serve in the kingdom, we do. We do. Because God has been so good to us. The song the praise team sang Sunday, every, that God's been faithful, God's been good. Every time I hear that, it convicts me. It, it just, and it, it is so true. It's so true. So the fourth thing is to remember this, that you and I are going to live forever somewhere. We have eternity before us. So surely, if someone needs us here, we can, we can make a little bit of time for them. I want to conclude tonight. I am going to stop right here. I didn't go much further, but I am going to stop right here. I want to submit to you as kindly, compassionately, 
without divulging too much or whatever. But we have a substantial number of people here at Grace Church that are in trouble on some level. And there's so much of that I can't divulge, but there's some of you that probably knows at least some of what I'm talking about. And there's people at Grace Church that could really use a true blue Grace Church. Not just an acquaintance on Facebook and a casual text once in a while, but for us to be interrupted by the tumult that's going on in their life right now and say, you know what, I'm going to do something nice. I'm, I'm going to do, I want to do something nice for you. I want to be in your company, and I would love it if you were in mine. Um, Grace Church needs some fellowship at a higher level right now. And we're going to be introducing that next Wednesday night. So I'm going to ask you tonight to be prayerful, especially against the Bible study that I just taught you. Don't, don't, don't say I can't. Uh, I've said for years, can't never could do nothing. Don't say I can't. Don't look for reasons why I can't, but to look for all the reasons you can muster to say I can. As a matter of fact, I'd recommend you go home and just get out a piece of paper and give all the reasons why you could be available to serve the Lord at another level. Not too much, not too much of a higher level than where most of you are right now, but just a little bit, just a, just a little tiny bit more. Um, you'll see. It's going to be fun, and it's not really going to require that much out of anybody. The old saying goes, if everybody would do a little bit, we could get a whole lot done in such a short amount of time. So I'm going to ask you for the next several days to be prayerful. I know it's Memorial Day weekend coming up. You have plans. It's going to be barbecue and burgers and hot dog wieners and ball and crawfish and all that stuff. But would you just put it in the back of your mind that God... Talk to me a little bit. Even with the people that you'll be with this weekend, how would it feel if a real special someone stepped into their life and started giving them some just wonderful Christian attention? How many times have you heard it said? How many, I, I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten through the years of saying, Pastor so-and-so just moved to your area or Pastor so-and-so just stopped going to church somewhere. Could, could you reach out to them? They really need a friend right now. They really need somebody to step in their life. This is what I'd like for us to start posturing ourselves to be, and that is to be that person. Thank the Lord. We're all shaped for serving God, and everybody here tonight has something you can do. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. Thank you for your time, your attention here tonight. And do pray, do ask the Lord to guide your thoughts and your steps. God bless you tonight. We're going to dismiss. Look forward to next Wednesday night especially. And certainly church this coming weekend. We're going to have a great time. God bless you. Love on somebody before you leave. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing the rest of you Sunday morning. You men will see you at men's prayer Saturday. God bless you folks. <laughs>